Unloose the goose. We'll take no views. Your paradigm's run out of time and we've got no use. Unloose the goose. You've shown the best model in terms of how to put that into practice. Not not only that, but but with your years of experience in it, you're you're teaching me a lot of stuff. So I gotta give you as much gratitude and things as I could possibly give you, man. Ace, that's amazing. That makes me feel really good. I appreciate that. You know, it's I just had a really interesting conversation with a bunch of producers. Uh, I'll get into that. First of all, welcome to Unloose the Goose. This is the agorist podcast that generally has a whole panel of um, agorists, essentially, all people doing amazing things in their own right to, you know, make their lives better and make the lives of those around them better without having to worry about, you know, the involvement of government or larger organizations and being able to say, look, we are wise, intelligent, capable, conscious creatures, and we can build the world of our dreams. And we don't need a nanny or a a boss, essentially, to give us permission or tell us how to do that or involve themselves in any way, unless it truly benefits us. Right. So that's the basis of Unloose the Goose. And it covers everything from cryptocurrency, entrepreneurialism, homesteading, survivalism, um, just business and law in general, you know, canning and, and, and all of the things that that allow us to take control of our lives and take control of every aspect of our lives, like true accountability, right? So that's the purpose of Unloose the Goose. And we're live now and we've got some of our flock and gaggle uh, from the Unloose the Goose telegram, from the Fire On telegram, from the Survival Podcast telegram, the New World Awakening telegram. I just put the call out and said, hey, let's have a conversation and see where everybody's at in their lives, where they're at in their the story or the song of their lives and how we can, you know, make our lives better, share some information, share some knowledge, and share some perspective. So with that, welcome to Unloose the Goose. I do believe it's episode 35. I sure hope it is, because that's what I labeled it. And um, we have a couple people joining us right now from the from the gaggle. We've got Ace of Trump, 45. I don't think he voted for Biden. And then we've also got Lori Eve. Uh, I think that's from the, the Fire On uh, chat. Is that right, Lori? Yeah, yeah, on the Telegram. Awesome. Lori, where are you from? I live in the Columbia Gorge. Columbia Gorge? Where's that? Uh, It's on the Columbia River between Oregon and Washington. Wow. So up in the Pacific Northwest, eh? Yeah. Very cool. And uh, what's your superpower? Um, Putting my foot in it, pretty much. Putting your foot in it? Seems to be my consistent superpower. Yeah, like learning hard lessons, quote unquote. I, I guess so. <laughs> Some of us are just destined for that sort of thing. What What do you do for um your hobbies? What are you passionate about? Oh gosh. Um. Well, um. <laughs> I I guess I. So I don't even know how to how to where to start. Um, just a retired person. Um, he's trying to figure that out, I guess. Do you like pottery? Have you ever tried pottery? I have, just, you know, like in school. Um, yeah. It's been a long time. So, yeah, no, mostly just like gardening and, um, we're retired farmers, um, orchardists. 
So that was, that was um, my next question. Do you garden at all? That's awesome. What kind of orchards have you grown? Uh, well, I grew up, my parents had pears um, and cherries. And then we um, ran a biodynamic cherry operation a few years ago. And, um, yeah, hoping to get back into it. So. Biodynamic as in anthroposophical based on Rudolf Steiner's work? Well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Quantum agriculture. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's, that's awesome. Uh, we practice biodynamic growing on our farm and, uh, in North Carolina. Yeah. We, we started diving into it. My wife is actually a Waldorf teacher. So, and I'm very familiar with Steiner's works on, on a bunch of different subjects. So we're going to have a good conversation on all of that and how it, you know, factors into agorism and, and why it's foundationally important, I think. So. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thanks for being here and for, you know, stepping out and going out on a limb. That's where the sweetest charities are, right? Oh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right on. Ace, Ace, where about, whereabouts are you? I'm actually, uh, I was born and raised in California, uh, born and raised in Visalia, California. Um, mm-hmm. Agricultural community, the World Ag Expo, that big old thing, like when I was in high school, involved in that. Uh, and there was a special schooling program at Mount Whitney High School, which I attended. That had to do with uh, ag-based education. So right. when you start talking about all this stuff. I'm like, I'm sitting here all giddy in my chair. I'm like, oh, perfect. We got we got some like-minded people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I was born and raised in California, but I actually moved out of California due to just you know the the cultural dynamic and economic structure over there is rather this unstable. year or earlier, huh? This year or earlier? Uh, it was actually this year. It was March 1st. I left. Good for so you. I went, yeah, I went down to Arizona for a little bit just to kind of mm-hmm. see what it was like down there. But there's so much going on down there that I don't want to get caught up in it. I decided yeah. to uh, head up to the Northwest. So right now I'm, I'm kind of just nomadic, staying up in the Northwest, doing a lot of research on cryptocurrencies, uh, the financial markets. I actually used to teach trading on Discord um, with a with a group called MD Live. I was actually booted out of there because I kept trashing the dollar, and they really <laughs> didn't. <laughs> I was like, Fiat's not going to work, guys. You need to think about crypto. Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, I got kicked out of there, but I helped build that community. We actually did stuff just like this. I'd get on the chat group. We had what's called the trading pit. So we got together and, uh, using our utilities from unusual uh, options activity in the options market to, uh, using news sources and just tracking, you know, uh, order flow on the tape of whatever equity we were trading. Uh, I helped people to make money doing all that stuff. Um, I did that for about a year. Uh, but my wife, who's soon to be uh, divorced, unfortunately, we we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Oh, she, um, yeah, she actually works for Merrill Lynch. Ironically, she hated the fact that I was in the markets, but she works for Merrill Lynch. <laughs> oh. So uh, we um, I, I kind of stepped away from doing that. But during that time, I was teaching a lot of people about stuff and uh, got a background in automotive uh, uh, automotive service, um, uh, as well as doing a lot of sales and electronics repair, things like that. So. I have a pretty wide background of things. Well, and that's I really that, cool. I, yeah, think, so I, figure, I figure I got a skill set that I can give to people. I don't know where, how, when, or what, but you seem to be like the something that's vibrating here. You know what I mean? Like on a, there's a certain frequency of work that you're doing. Dude, that is key. Thank you for saying that. So, wow. Okay, we're going to have a really cool discussion. We're going to talk everything from anthroposophy, entrepreneurialism, you know, and cryptocurrency and trading. Uh, Lori, do you know anything about crypto or have you been in on it? I'm sorry. One second. I have to step out for a second. I'll be back in about five minutes, but I'll be on mute. No problem. (laughs) Hi. Oh, um, crypto life. Um, yeah, we've had, um, some Bitcoin and Ethereum for a few years. Just, you know, we thought, oh, a few years ago, let's try it and nice 
working with it. I mean, I play crypto kitties sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. So and I, I felt like a slave trader. So I can't do this anymore. Um, and then we got, um, let's see, started with the, the, um, XRP and the seller back in November and oh, my husband like, you know, he's, he's on the brink of retirement. And so he's looking at it like, he's just having fun with it. And, you know, yeah. And we, we laugh about totally and, you know, but we're newbies, total newbies, really. Right on. So do you know about the Bitcoin network and the basic premise of decentralization and how, uh, crypto is utilized and more about blockchain than I do about cryptos actually. Say that? I know a little bit more about the blockchain than I do about the cryptos. Very um, cool. Because um one of the researchers I used to follow kind of he was teaching on that a few years ago and that's you no know Anthony Patch. Um he's not a big fan of the blockchain. But um he was like explaining things. Um he's kind of a quantum researcher too, so Oh, that's interesting. So is he, when you say quantum researcher, is this, does that mean he's working and coding quantum computers or quantum researcher like the quantum energy that's all around us? Um, energy connectedness. He has a magazine called Entangled. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so kind of bigger picture. Yeah, that's that's how I was, especially when I got into the crypto space. Like, I recognized that it was an important development. Mm-hmm. Got in very early. Um and then recognize what the technology could do and how it could be applied and why a blockchain was important, right? There's some things we could get into regarding quantum computers and how now blockchains are irrelevant, but they're still relevant to data storage and data distribution and decentralization. Even with a quantum computer, you know, you can screw up the algorithms for, uh, like encryption that makes a proof of work coin obsolete. Or, you know, some other specialized attacks. But for the most part, it's still a solid storage, data storage and data transmission, holographically decentralized, right? Mm-hmm. So when I looked at the, the blockchain, I got really excited because of the redistribution of power that we could enable, enact and, and experience because so much of our life is on a digital realm now. And if we can distribute uh, d- decision making, Right. And create consensus and tools for determining and authenticating consensus. Um, then then we have a means by which we as a people can steer Spaceship Earth together. We can get an accurate digital asynchronous whenever at the speed of light uh, census, essentially, of what everybody wants regarding anything, you know, Um and that that in and of itself is the most powerful aspect to this. I mean, especially looking at what happened with the election, right? Like we try to determine the consensus will of the country and see how that went, you know. But if we had one of these that was secure and we could trust that we put a coin in one wallet and that represents yes and another wallet represents no. And the coin disappears after three days, has no intrinsic value except for the application of that vote, then poof, you know, people could be sitting on their toilet or the, on their work break or smoke break or whatever and make decisions together, you know? So that to me was like the biggest and most profound uh application of the blockchain. So the currency, it's almost like all of the real developers and programmers I know, like real ones, like with real applications and, you know, government or industry or whatever, 
they're like the currency is not it's not even the value there. Like the, the real value is that consensus decision making, that decentralized storage um, and a number of other you know interesting applications like with smart contracts and such. Um, and they disdain they disdain the uh, the cryptocurrencies as, as a whole. What do you what do you think? It sounds like you're talking about we're, we're speaking the same crackalacking language. Yeah, I mean, I see the value in the currency more as a, a means to build out the blockchain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it has utility and everything, that's fine. But I think its real value is in, like, and I think that there's many ways to build out the blockchain, but currency seems to be one that most people can get into and learn about. Yeah. Well, it does just like stocks, right? It's like, I believe in this company, XYZ. And so I'm going to buy their stock, show them my support, give them the resources that they need to continue building and operating. And this is little piece of paper or now digital certificate represents the overall success or GDP, let's say, of the company. Although it's not really, right? The We like to think that stocks are measured to KPIs and things that are tangible results in corporations. And for the most part, they sort of do that. But the market sentiment is what drives it. And we're looking at that in exquisite splendor in the crypto market, right? Because just an idea, a white paper, somebody puts a coin to it, everybody starts buying it, it goes from zero to, you know, a dollar, three dollars, whatever it is. Some are, you know, like, like Bitcoin was a white paper and an idea and it turned into a $65,000 asset, you know? Um, a good friend of mine, Alex Lightman, I was just on a podcast with him this morning and he said that it's the only asset that within this year you will see become a, like will multiply in profits by one billion percent. And he had a lot of factors in there, like the dollar is being over, like way overvalued. There's so many of them in supply. Have you seen this, Lori? Like we don't even know how much dollars there are. It makes sense. I, I see the grocery store prices, and I'm like, something's wrong. 21% Forward. of the global dollar supply was actually printed in 20, 2020. I think it was 21%. I saw that statistic. Um, I actually circulated it around. So uh, you, you've seen what happened with uh, uh, the Federal Reserve writing those blank checks for BlackRock to go in and, uh, and monetize bonds and everything, right? And they're still doing it. Every time yep. they – it's just been an ongoing thing. You can see the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. Uh, people are can be aware of this stuff. They're just not paying attention to it because their nine to five jobs kind of keep them locked into this, you know, this slavery of fiat. So, yeah, right. That's that you just nailed it right there. Like I, I, I get why conspiracy theorists say, you know, uh, there's this evil cabal trying to run things or whatever. But I, I, I more and more say, like, there are just scared people at the top or make, or in these positions, making decisions. And it's sort of like, do we kick the can down the field a little bit longer? Cause if we stop, it will like the whole thing will collapse. Right. And it's almost as if they don't have the next stone in the, in the, the stepping stones there yet. And so they don't want it to stop. So they're just kicking it down, hoping that there will be a stone that shows up. And by, by making all of this, this extra fiat, like we could have a real Weimar Republic kind of situation. What would be interesting is if, Bitcoin dropped in price. Everybody figured out who it was dropped in price at the same time that the hyperinflation took place in the United States. Let's say like which one would move faster and would it level each other out? You know, what do you yes, think? We have a, we have a uh, it seems like there's like a, the bag holder situation in fiat. So it seems like the federal reserve is going to be the bag holders uh, when it comes to 
all of those outstanding debts and the bonds that they picked up. So, I mean, yeah, it's like they're just shuffling their bags around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and more and more big companies like BlackRock and others are getting into crypto. Um, and they're essentially what they're doing is they're driving up the demand because they're buying it and holding it and it's not in circulation, right? The, like Bitcoin was never designed to be a store of value. It was designed to be a payment system, right? Like to literally use it. And because it's efficient, though, it's very efficient. transactions in order to get, in order to get a transaction done, you can look how quick XRP is. I can do a QR code, bam, you got it yep. in seconds. It's yep. completely inefficient. Yep. And that's the, the, the key to it. So I designed art. I architected currencies with the chief architect of the euros convergence and exchange mechanisms, how the currency works, how is it built? How, how do you implement a demurrage fee, for instance, to increase the velocity of the currency? Bitcoin has none of these things. XRP kind of does, but not even really. And it, def, XRP defeats the whole purpose of the blockchain in terms of decentralized power. Right. Because it's a centralized corporation that fluctuates its own currency and values and devalues it at will and is there simply to service the legacy systems. That's why I always said they're going to win in a big way, because whether you like them or not, I do not like the centralization of power. I do not like them. Same I am. But it's it's there and they're servicing that industry, you know, and if you can process a transaction in 10 seconds or less at, at a 10 tenth a hundredth of the cost you know like 10 cents every million dollars like of course banks are going to use this to to start leveraging and 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 trading right but again it's to get that power system and that that centralized power structure you don't change the paradigm you're just enabling the paradigm to work more efficiently which is kind of scary right so how do you take how do you take that power out of the bank's hands i like to use this as a good example as the people's currency this is a two ounce round of silver this has been money you can hold it in your hand. It's been money for thousands and thousands of years. It's something that the banks have taken advantage of and have used to their to their benefit. Uh, we look at uh, the Bear Stearns collapse, the new short position that J.P. Morgan put on, and what they do in the options market, uh, the, op- the futures options market. I mean, they sit there, they'll run fiat down on the price so that they can get expiring options on that Friday, collect yep. more fiat, and then use that fiat again back onto the onto the price, short it again, get price pumping into a place, and it just creates a mess. But when people stand for delivery, which we saw last year, we saw that, what was that? You see that run up, and uh, it was from $17, $18, all the way up to 26 and then it yep. tagged 30 Yep. I mean, you cannot, it's not sustainable. So in what ways would that impact the crypto markets if banks try to meddle in it? Because once banks start meddling in things, problems start happening. So um, that's something that I'm looking at in terms of like XRP yep. and some of these other currencies that are coming online that they're trying to take advantage of. That's how, that's what I'm looking at. So they're going to speculate on the price. They're going to manipulate them. It's a totally unregulated market. Um, the new SEC guy is brought in to bring in regulation, right? The new SEC guy who took over for the last one who said the, the next task is regulation. So they're working on that, but it, it's such a big task. It's like, are you regulating it as a currency or are you regulating it as a stock? Are you regulating it as its own asset class that is also a currency? I think that, you know, the minute... I know for a fact banks are involved in the the Bitcoin space, 100%. Has been privy to and party to deals at hundreds of millions of dollars for banks acquiring these. And they're holding on to them and then, again, doing what you're saying, like uh, options and derivatives trading off of the value there and ridiculous, ridiculous stuff. And so we're, we're seeing this. 
this takeover essentially of what is supposedly a safe asset class, but is completely like uh, at the whim of the big big whales and fishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're we, how how long have we been at the mercy of those who hold the most value? I like to yeah. use the word value instead of currency, money, things like that. This, mm-hmm. this is just value. That's what this is. This is just yeah. value. Um, yeah. Those who control the most value typically control, and it creates, you know, a centralized power structure system, right? Correct. So you have a top-down kind of functionality where those who are at the top kind of have the most control. And we look at that even in terms of governance. Uh, you, you talk about this SEC regulator. They're just tacking on more rules and more rules and more rules for us to follow, making it for those of us who may not be well-equipped to handle a lot of those, navigating all those rules, a lot more difficult. But those who are, those who are well-capitalized, those who have law firms, those who have uh, individuals that can you know defend them in terms of all that stuff, yeah. it, it enables them to power. It enables a smaller group to power. Yeah. And it's an ongoing issue. So this is why I, I, I look at decentralization of every decentralization of value. So let's say I have a skill set. I can fix your car, right? You've got a, you've got a water pump or whatever it is that you, you need fixed in your car. Uh, right. You and I can exchange value based off of what? Silver, money, currency, or maybe, uh, I don't know. Whatever is efficient. Huh? Whatever is efficient. Yeah. So what if, what if I needed something other than this? What if I needed, let's say, some food? You mm-hmm. know, what if I just needed some groceries for the month and you needed a water pump? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. How can we establish a transaction, an authenticated transaction of value between two parties that doesn't require somebody meddling in between that? It's a two-party mm-hmm. transaction that doesn't have any influence. That's you see right. what I'm saying? Like that, that dynamic on the blockchain might be something that we can look at because there may be somebody across the world that has some accounting skills that I need and I'm over here in the West and I need this and they have that. And then, you know, our ability to communicate those things. Um, how do we establish that value transaction there? And I think that yeah. that's where blockchain kind of comes in to be able to provide that. Yeah, 100 percent. Lori, what do you we just had uh, Diana, a friend of ours. She, she came to the fire on launch party in Florida not so long ago. An amazing soul. She, she just joined us. You want to say hi, Diana? And then, Lori, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Hi, everybody. It's a pleasure to meet you here to see you again. I really, really miss you guys. Like I've been like crazy and I just entered the Unlose the Goose chat and I saw you were there and I was like, yeah, I want to go in. (laughs) So for everybody who doesn't know, tell us uh, where your name, where you are and what your superpower is. Okay. I am Diana Llanos from Mexico City. I've been traveling around the world for the last 20 years. Uh, and um, my superpower is love, unconditional love. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And you're building a community. That's, kind of value. That's the best. No. Kind of value. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of effort because it sounds really easy, but it's like the hardest thing to do. Um, so, yeah, my, my project is regenerative housing. Um, I just want to build uh, communities, co-housing communities where we can hold the space for human beings yeah. for us to be able to guide future generations in a better way, more harmonious and loving because I, I am a single mother. I breastfeeded for seven years and I'm just putting there everything that I felt I needed because I know there's a lot of people needing that. And it starts with like everything conspired for me to get these amazing architects, which is this innovative design, mm-hmm. which I was reading that you also, your design is also an ex- hexagon, right? Xavier. Yep, that's and right. I was like, wow, it's crazy because I felt like this, like 
minded connection with Xavier since I read him the first time and Pyron and whatever. So yeah, it's it's these regenerative houses um, that are amazing and the structure can change. It's all made for us to intervene them like artistically and yeah. create like art objects instead of houses and we can it's yeah. pop-up structures and durable and whatever so that's it's basically the houses and then the community things that i'm doing that's brilliant okay cool uh so Lori does uh biodynamic farming i'm gonna before i come back to Lori, somebody else just joined us and i think we're gonna cap it at, at this five i think is a good amount um marcus would you please introduce yourself where you are and what your superpower is i'm coming in from germany again hey Welcome back, Marcus. Um, superpower, um, probably um, a good amount of empathy and patience. Because I'm a social worker, and without that, I couldn't do my job. But and some Weltschmerz. So what? Some Weltschmerz. No, 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 no. No, good, 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 good. That's awesome. No, 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 no. Even even though uh, I encounter a lot of problems in people, um, uh, I still think. Um, being solutions orientated is the only way to do this. Yes, very good. I've, I've, I've had a great deal of Weltschmerz in my life. And for those of you non-German speakers, the Weltschmerz is like the weight of life, right? Like all of this suffering, all of this stuff. This like I, I, I sometimes have had this where I feel like I need to fix all of these things, you know, and that's probably the German in me as well. Um, okay, so welcome. We've got a full house then. Uh, we were just discussing crypto. We were discussing biodynamic farming. And I was just going to ask you, Lori, you know, in terms of the centralization of power and the incursion into the crypto space by central banks and, you know, all of these unregulated big whale players, is it important that we shrink our communities and become tighter knit or that we grow them um, and and like sort of Voltron up and like connect across the, the, the globe and like create new systems. Where, where would you stand on that question? Gosh, I guess from a like the biodynamic stance, like viewing the organism as a whole. Yeah. And each of us have our own sphere of influence and our own like organisms that we have to be responsible for and keep healthy. Um, but the boundaries, somehow boundaries matter somewhat, I think. Um, yes. So how, how, how would you see that playing out? Like we're moving into a digital grounds, right? We've got Facebook and everybody just communicates and whatever. Meanwhile, Facebook sits and watches everybody in the Petri dish and like, look at this great human experiment we have. Let's put some AI and see what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems to me that like the tragedy of the commons is that we, if we all own something, nobody takes care of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But with like the blockchain and other things, we can actually create systems that everybody owns that directly, and they directly feel like with smart contracts, they directly feel the results in their pocketbook of the, of the degradation of let's say a city park or whatever. Like yeah. with those tools, I believe that we can build a civilization worth living in. Right. But how do you keep that that tight knit community where, you know, Ace was talking about, like, I, I know that you want food and I'm going to do your water pump to get you and you or wait, you want your water pump fixed. I want food. I know you well enough that we can just trade like that. You know, how do you keep that that intimacy, let's say, of the tribal, the tribal community? I have a comment that's, on that. So uh, from a biblical perspective, when, uh, whenever you're done. 
Cool. Uh, Lori, do you, do you want to respond? Uh, you know, the one thing that comes to mind is something that, well, like a principle that we, we feel strongly is that you can't separate authority and responsibility. And I think when there's a disconnect between authority and responsibility, we, we kind of, we degrade a bit. Things aren't the way they should be. Unpack that a little bit more. What's the difference between authority and responsibility? So when you have authority in your life, like you are under authority. Um, oh, goodness. No, I think it's really important. So when you have you take personal responsibility for yourself and your life and the things that you have been given to steward. Yeah. Um, so I see it more as a stewardship principle. I love that. Um, the, you know, it, this is, this is ours, but I also have ownership over things that I've been given stewardship for. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yep. And, you know, stepping into my responsibility with that, you know, you, wow. You Let know. me ask a question. Do you take more care of your own things or things at a person's house whom you are a guest in? Oh, personally? Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope I'm mindful in both, but yeah, if I'm a guest, I'm going to be more, probably more conscientious about not leaving, you know, a fork in the sink or whatever, you know? Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, what you said was so important for me to hear right now, especially it's like, I have always treated the places that I were and, and I've always treated like when I was a guest at places, I always was very, very diligent about leaving no trace and, and leaving the sli- the less, the least impact, you know, and beautifying it and making the hosts feel happy and glad to have me. Right. Yeah. And I realized just from your statement that I do that in my own home, like what a gift this is, what a, what a, an honor it is to have a, a place to, to steward. I think that that's a huge, how do we put that into the social contract? Marcus? We'll go down the line. How do we put, um, um, as soon, as soon as you, learn to value your own stuff you're able to uh, value other people's stuff more even, yeah because you, then you know what it's worth right you know what, what goes into it and um, to be able to value your own stuff um, you have to have an um, you have to you have to um, it, it's like um once I was quoted when I said something like, um, emotionally mature po- people are usually forged, not cast. What I mean by this is, um, as soon as, um, you really, um, I, not co- I'm not talking about understanding the value, but feeling the value. As soon as you build your, your home, just like you said before, it's a gift to have a home like this, but you, I bet you build it yourself, most of it. Mm-hmm. the way that it is and that's yeah. why it's valuable to you and I think uh, with this whole entitlement generation now um, this will become a little more difficult so you're in Germany and you know there was the Weimar Republic 
And we're looking like we're going into some kind of similar situation where the hyperinflation, we're talking about cryptocurrencies as a hedge and as a way to maintain value in a digital, in an increasingly digital age, right? And I have had recently a good conversation with um, an individual around labor dollars, dollars for labor or equivalent to labor, right? This is how Hitler took, uh, you know, whatever, like horrible man, horrible genocides, all these terrible things. But one thing that he did do well was take Germany from destitution and the Weimar Republic and he fixed the currency and the currency turned in and with labor programs and everybody took part in rebuilding. So they knew what they had. They had a part in it, right? Uh, that, and it was the quickest recovery of any economy in the world. And they won the Nobel Peace Prize and all this stuff for that. Maybe not the Nobel Peace Prize time, whatever. Um, but two things that just were said, Laurie saying, you know, uh, this this stewardship and then the the deeper question of okay so if we feel as a thing is a gift and we know what it goes to to into it then we're more inclined to actually take care of it right Lori Diana how about how about you Diana um thoughts on that yeah well I see I see responsibility I actually like everything that I promote is from inside out you already know that yeah and I promote ourselves as life. And that means we have faculties. We all of us have the same faculties and the same abilities, right? Mm-hmm. So responsibility comes from that, the response that we can give to our own abilities, but the real abilities, not the ones that are going to change. But, you know, like everything that we actually, that will never change, right? Like forgiveness, like creativity, like um it's hard for me to say it in English. It's easier in Spanish, like destreza, like... Everything that helps us, like, live, right, basically. So for me, as a personal process, like, it, it took time to realize about this because I started wondering, like, why do I have an altar in my room if I don't have time to clean it, right? And I was like, okay, I'm giving all my power to these stones and to these feathers <laughs> and to these things. I don't even clean them. I have no respect for them. Right. And I have no time and they just stress me out. So I started like cleaning all my life, like getting rid of all my things. Like Marie Kondo? Yeah. And then I, I started when I was um, uh, started the motherhood process, I, it was the same, right? Okay, so if I have a big space, and I cannot take care of it properly. Like I have a kid, I have to breastfeed, I, I have to work to, to feed him also or to feed myself. And then I have to pay the cleaning lady. That's kind of like, you know, like then I have to work more to pay more. And it was like a cycle that I, I just wanted to step out of. So I started to take responsibility of my life first, like, um, uh, like getting rid of everything I couldn't take care of. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's kind of an and never ending story in some way, but I feel the generations right now, which is basically like us millennials and so like the closest ones are in this mindset already. Like we want less, less is more for us. So I think this is a very good thing. I think we all learned from our parents. Most of millennials had like all these recessions that our parents lived. For example, my, my family broke completely. And there was times like we had so little money to eat, like the five of us, like when I was like 
I don't know, 13 years old or 11. Right. This marked my life so much, you know, like my father almost had a stroke and I have so many friends that were in the same situation. They lost their houses, they whatever, you know, so we just don't want to take this on. We don't want like these big mansions. We don't want to pay. We don't want the luxury cars. I yeah. have like one Which computer. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. And, and I actually, it was a very hard process for me because I was in all these particular schools, you know, like with all these rich kids, you know, like all the chauffeurs, the bodyguards, like all these things. So for me, it was like a really, really hard process to, to be myself, to be real and to say like, okay, I have all the same abilities. There's no one like more than me and there's no one less right. than me, you know? Um, so I think it's more of an, a, a spiritual process. Responsibility is a real uh, spiritual process. It has nothing to do with matter, like yeah. nothing to do with matter. We can keep um, cleaning our stuff, but if we don't take care of our relationships, if we, if we don't, if we say we love, but then we hate someone that's not responsible, yeah. if we, not you know, if we do like, for example, regenerative projects, but we still, um, I don't know, do some things that are not regenerating. That's mm-hmm. also something we have to take responsibility for. And that's the work, like not judging and just like moving forward. Yeah. Uh, learning from each other, which is something I, I learned from you. And this is why I came into the meeting too, because I, I see like the way of like, you know, like guiding the conversation and everybody has a different point of view, but we all express ourselves. That's like really, that's responsibility. Like that is yeah. like taking I mean, care of everybody. That's the, that's the key, right? Is like, I genuinely feel sentimental about each one of you, like each in your own ways. And I might not remember your tag name or your, your, you know, handle, but I know your spirit, right? And like, um, when Marcus first showed up, I didn't remember that it was Marcus from Germany, but as soon as he spoke, I was like, fucking hey, Marcus is here. You know, it's, that's awesome. So it's, it, it, it re- and like you all, are representative to me of the greater world as a whole. We've got people from all over the world in here, um, at East Coast, West Coast, United States, Germany, Mexico. And it's like, if I'm asking you questions, I feel like I'm asking the super organism of humanity, right? Like I have this question, how do we solve it together? Right. And like, and I'm asking God in you. And when you speak or return, whatever it, it's in, it's inspired in my ears. So it helps make that more so. And going back to the question of like, okay, how do we uh, incentivize people to solve the tragedy of the comments? I came up with ideas, but to hear, Oh, recognize that it is a gift. It's somebody else's house, right? This is going to sound that John's going to tear me a new asshole. Cause it's going to sound like agenda 2030, but it's like a gift to you. Right. And, uh, if it's that, and then there's like a social dynamic and, you know, a lot of people, I'm, I don't know that I would want to do this either, but um, there, there's a social dynamic where we build like a labor dollar and um, everything that's co-owned by the corporation, everybody has to take shifts doing even the lowliest of tasks. But the trade-off is you only have to do like four hours a week of work, right? If everybody's rotating through the different tasks like, yeah, I'll do four hours of fucking toilet duty. Why not? You know, cause then if I don't have to do, right? Like, I'm, I'm, I don't think of myself as any important person. Like, I've cleaned toilets before. Why not? Right. And so if we destigmatize all of these tasks and rotate people through them in the corporation, you know, we need people to garden. We need people to do this and everybody needs to be cross trained. Like, we can then say, I, I own this 
but it is also a gift for me to be here. What do you think? Ace? I wanna, oh, sorry. Wait, I just want to add something yeah, there. Um, that I don't know if you know, like this agriculture econ economy, if you've heard mm -hmm. about this, which is like you grow your own food and then everything you that's left, you share it or you sell it. Yeah. Permaculture. Think, yeah. So, um, I, I, I think in this sense, that's very important to first, like really like, do the things you want to do because when we start like deciding like, okay, so everybody has to clean four hours a toilet, then there might be someone that doesn't want to clean them. And then we start like kind of fighting. Right. But if we right. say my superpower is loving, my superpower is forgiving, my superpower is patience. We just use those superpowers for real. Every time somebody doesn't want, we use that ability and we solve the problem as simple as that. We solve it. We don't wait for someone else to solve it for us. That's what I want Correct. to Correct. I, 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 like the new jobs of the future are literally, I was thinking of, I was meditating earlier and I was thinking like, Chiron, like we have these sensors that are going to go in our phones that you can scan for diseases. Not only that, you can actually scan to see how deep a person is in meditation. So we can actually pay people to sit there, meditate with their phone, verifying that they're actually meditating and hold space for Phyron. What happens then, right? And we'll pay you like 50 cents a minute or whatever the, you know, I don't know that that's, but then like, also, Diana, you just brought up an idea like, okay, you know, my superpower is love. I'm a great mediator. We, you see, there's a conflict. Somebody starts arguing. Maybe there's an AI that can recognize conflict, you know, curse words and gauge. And then when that AI recognizes that, then we say, Oh, Diana gets pinged or a pool of people get pinged and whoever responds first gets to answer that and serve as HR for the company for a little bit, you know, and we want everybody to be at high operating power and, and efficient, but it sounds really fucking socialist. So we've got our very own, uh, God given, uh, very Republican friend here named Ace. What do you think about that shit, bro? Okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a spiel of a few different things. The first thing you started okay. talking about is registering whether or not somebody is actually meditating. Um, you look at what monks are doing. You like look at the history of a monk or a monastic yeah. uh, Tibetan. I studied Buddhism. But I'm I got a actually I'm a card carrying member of the Universal Life Church. So I've I've waded through a variety of different systems of belief. I've kind of come full circle. And, uh, now, anybody can get them, dude. You can go online and spend like a hundred bucks and get it. It ain't that special. Totally. That's what's funny. <laughs> but I, I, I felt that, you know, if somebody needed to credentialize me, then here, you know, I got a card, whatever. Um, but I, I went through, I went through the process of learning various different faiths because in order to speak spiritually with people, you have to understand what, what, what the groundwork is in which they come from. Um, I walked through the, the process of, become, of of learning Buddhism because stillness of mind, meditation, and a, a variety of their practices is paramount to, I mean, the survival of a, us as a species. Because you can't be a glutton in this world. You just can't. You cannot be right. a glutton. The idea of having less, you know, that's a, that's a really good idea. It's also very anti-capitalistic, you know, because people in, in the capitalist idea, they, they seek to have big houses, big cars, me, my, my stuff, right? That's yep. that's kind of detrimental to uh, the growth of civilization. And I, I wanted to say, I wanted to kind of bring this back to a lower vibe. Right? One real quick thing. It's a lower vibe. Like it's fear. I don't yeah. have enough. I need to gather and I need to make other people insufficiently able to gather because I then can gather more. And it's a fear of death instead of like, trusting in the fucking universal life of creation that the, the bountiful earth and we're sitting here afraid right the yeah. bountiful earth that has provided food on the floor for everybody to just lay about and fucking enjoy themselves and we're scared of death so 
like to remind people of that, it's like, how do we, we, we create these systems of abundance? Go ahead. Yeah. So, and I actually wanted to reference to, um, you, you guys, you're starting to talk about like AI systems. I actually work with an AI system. I've got a paper on it that I've been doing some research on that actually does a conversion or has a, they, they, they philosophize about the conversion of thinking into terms of blockchain. So being able to do a mirror effect of thought to AI, because essentially an AI system has to learn from people in order for it to be a form of genuine artificial intelligence. So uh, right. I've got some papers that I can share with you if you want to take a look at those. I might have posted them in one of the rooms. Um, awesome. But like I look at I look at the history of the church. So we look at the history of the church before Constantine. This is when Christians were fed to lions. Um, and actually, I would be fed to lions. Like I would be I would be a heretic even amongst my own uh, faith based uh, people just because I've waded into literature yep. that's you know considered unacceptable. Yep, the lion and I would get down totally. We'd be totally friends. I'd walk in there and be like, what's up? You in here too, motherfucker? Sorry. <laughs> exactly. So the, the communities that were formed in those times in order to spread the word or the good news of what Christ was trying to teach, um, they were small communities of people, 10, 20, and they, they worked in silence. Like they didn't want to be persecuted. They didn't want to be attacked for their ideas. And I can tell you right now, if I was to commit you and tell you that there is a socialist capitalist dynamic that can actually operate into integrally amongst people and in society as a whole, I would be shot down for that. I mean, you, I can talk to the most staunch conservatives. I, I've listened to Mark Levin. He, he, he taught me everything I needed to know and understand about conservatism and conservative ideals. And I, I, I myself would be um, oppositional to some of those ideas because of how they negatively impact society in some regard. But if you look at the dynamic of how some of those communities were formed, they operated with a symbiotic dynamic of, of the, like you're able to sit here and talk individually with people and not have to sit here and talk over a crowd. I mean, let's look at a church today. Your Joe Olstein churches, you've got million of parishioners and they, and you got one person up there sitting there talking about blah, 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 blah. And what does that do to edify the spirit of, of, of a man who comes in there struggling with whatever it is that he's struggling with? It does nothing other than right. to sit there and listen to somebody versus somebody to sit there and listen to him. So that doesn't do any good for people in, in that situation. So, but I also found that, um, work, things that you do, activities that you participate in and engagements, those actually bring about uh, a spiritual experience for people, whether it's cleaning toilet. Look, I, I worked at a medical facility that housed mental health patients. Um, I, I worked in a, a an, it was an ER center too. So I, we would have uh, people who would come in that are having emergency things. And I would go in there and I'd clean blood, spit, all kinds of funky bodily fluids. I'd have to have hazmat suits on and like special tools. Right. I, I, you need somebody to clean a toilet right here, bud. I got you. I'm not even, it doesn't even phase me a bit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, you'd learn to do those things because you either have to or, or, you know, maybe you want to. And I knew what I was getting myself into. So I didn't bother. It, it didn't yeah. bother me to go do the job. Um, but in all of these little things and all these little things, giving somebody something to do may doing, giving them work actually builds them. It builds yeah. them. Somebody who has a task that they get good at over time develops a sense of self-worth in the task that they do. So imagine somebody coming to you who has no skill sets. You know, I know how to sew. I'm a tailor. I can work with sewing machines. I can work with cars. I can fix cars. I can fix your phone. I've got a, yeah. a wide variety of skills. But imagine I didn't have any of those at all. And I had right. nothing. I had nothing to bring to the table. An educator, somebody who can educate, can teach somebody, hey, this is how you scrub a toilet. This is how you fix a phone. This is how you fix a car. And then right. once somebody gets good at those things, what happens? They feel better and more valued as themselves and then yep. want to do more of it. 
right? Correct. So yeah. that dynamic in terms of rebuilding a society or a culture, and I know, of course, you people rant and rave about socialism, but if you look at how Native American communities, uh, even ancient cultures before we were able to communicate with each other through electronics, they all function for centuries like that. And the model that they developed is something that we can look to in terms of decentralizing control away from power structures. Because you have large structures or large gatherings of people. What happens? Somebody says, oh, I want to be the big shot. I want to be up here at the top. Instead of being the guy at the bottom saying, all right, let's hold everybody up because all these people mm-hmm. come with all of their various trials and tribulations and goods and, and ideas and, and powers and things like that. Nobody wants to be on the bottom. So people are shooting for the top. And I think that has to do with the psyche dynamic that most people have in their, their ego function, right? Mm-hmm. So they have this mm-hmm. ego function of wanting to be at the top or yeah. wanting to do that. Thank you for that's the whole job of the ego. Like, I don't want to die. Yeah. So, it, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's literally all its job is. It's mm-hmm. like our creative uh, in, impulses are the things that help build society. And if we're always afraid of not having enough, there's not enough resources. I got to compete with the people around me, da, 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 da. So the, like what you're talking about is a balanced approach. Like I'm calling it cooperative capitalism, right? We, yeah, like, we, yes, we, yes, we, have, a corporation. Yeah. we have a corporation. We build fucking things. We, we provide services, but there are lots of things that you can do within the corporation and for the corporation and everybody to be happy. And it's like a pirate ship and like everybody's got a job to do and they all got to get cross trained and there all has to be money coming in. And in order for that to, to work, then we all need to work together. Right. And in doing that, we have some sort of purpose or meaning in the routines that we have. Um, Diana, I see you have your hand up. You wanted to add something to that. And then Lori, we'll go to you next. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ace. Uh, it was super interesting. I, I just feel if we go back to the laws of life, I'm sorry, I'm always bringing us back to a spiritual world, but. Oh, please do that. If if you do not connect spirit to the work that you do, your work is dead. Your work is dead. It's absolutely. Yeah, yeah, completely. You tie in the spiritual element into every little word that you say, every little thought that you have, everything you do is dead. Yeah. I agree. All right. Go ahead, Diana. Uh, so yeah, just remembering that no one can think for oneself and, and we cannot think for others. So I think the greatest mistake of human, uh, concepts or the human concept is to believe that the healing is a collective healing. And this is like, um, it might sound con- contradictory, uh, but it's, you know, like if I'm thinking love, I'm just going to attract uh, goodness and abundance and wellness and whatever. Okay. If I'm thinking hate, I'm just going to attract that. And nobody, not, not even like there's a point where no shaman, no guru, no one can heal me. If I am not willing to go back to love or spiritual or as, as Ace just said right now. So, right? Yeah. So that's why I think it's so important. Like if we're going to decentralize, we must centralize ourselves in in the individuality of life, which meaning like there is no separation, like without the fear of individual being separated because that's impossible. Again, in the spiritual world, there is no separation because the matter is just like this illusion. So as long as we know that taking care of ourselves and really healing, everything puts in place but nobody can do it for us. That's just remember that. Yeah. 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 
I'm sorry, I just wanted to comment on one more thing about AI that you brought up. So AI systems, what if, uh, you know, our, our weakness is ego, right? Our weakness is self-glorifying self things, right? What if we can teach an AI system to be our HR? So you, are, are you saying that that's a really good question? If we can teach and let me think on that and let's ask Lori. Lori, would you like to, to address um, the idea of capitalism, uh, the idea of building a corporation together or how do you best see uh, integrating some of these these concepts and like how, how to have better stewardship of the earth? OK, um, I guess what. What went through my mind listening was, um, so I belong to an organization, um, a model of elder care, and I'm an educator. I'm not a, I'm not a provider, um, but it's called the Eden Alternative, and it's an elder-centric model um, of transforming elder-centered intentional communities. Um, and one of our concepts are concentric circles. And sometimes your concentric circle, your sphere of or, uh, your orbit of influence, for example, will overlap with someone else's. Uh-huh. Um, and so I guess and from my model, I'm just trying to get a kind of more of a solid way of describing it. But say we have an elder who cannot do anything for themselves whatsoever. Okay. Right. We value them the most. In our model, they become the most important person alive in the home. So say someone who cannot feed themselves or clothe themselves or anything. What they do for us, they save us in that they teach us that people have intrinsic value just because they exist. And it's not about what you can or can't do. It's that we see each other as so important just because someone who can only be they're so valuable because they teach us that there's value in simply being does that make sense i'm i'm my soul is like jumping up and down inside because i'm like holy shit this is so beautiful and so true because it it really is it's like throughout history we have valued our elders the wolf pack will always go as fast as the slowest elder. And because they have the longest memory, the actual, like you can sit and you can feel and, and, and share memories. Essentially when somebody tells a story very well, you can, it's as if you're there, right? It's like the transference of electrical data in the form of memories and thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And so of course they're the most valuable because they're going through struggle. They're going through the very end and, it, it's an opportunity for us to demonstrate our humanity. Right. That I, like not being loved, that is the is the gift, but being able to love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're I think saying a lot of, mm-hmm. Go the concentric rings form around these who cannot take care of themselves. How how, how else does the structure work? Um, oh, there's like it's a flattened hierarchy. So, you know, for example, in a traditional nursing home, there's a nursing uh, nurse's station. Okay. And the mm-hmm. nurses make the decisions for everybody. Um, we've gone done away with that. Um, in, in Eden homes, there are no nurses stations, for example. So the nurses can't go back and hide behind the nurses station. Um, That's cool. They're the, the caregivers are cross trained. 
uh, they're homemakers, basically. So instead of you having compartmentalizing everything, like, like you were saying, like we all take turns doing things. So, you know, being, um, I could go visit a home and help cook dinner with the elders. Um, they're smaller homes. They're, again, it's, it's a different model, but it's that same thing where you've decentralized the authority and put it back into the hands of the people who really matter. And so either the elder or their immediate caregivers are the decision makers, not some corporate person who's never going to meet these people. So it's are you telling me that the elder who cannot do anything, who is the most quote unquote disabled or, you know, whatever, they, mm-hmm. they are the ones who have their, like their primary caregiver hangs out with them. And then that, that elder basically dictates how the, the, the care is given or they interact with the others and figure out what they want as well. Like how does, does that play out on a, on a, on a day to day? So yes, the, the elder, um, to the, to, you know, it's a person by person thing, but, um, yeah. to the, our greatest ability, we give back to them the decision making process in their life. If they want to, uh, for example, like old school, we used to tie people to beds. Okay. And you for used their to own, tie people, no, people, yeah. like civilization. All right. Well, Someone who was a fall risk, for example, right, right, right. They used to be put in restraints for their own good, was the thought. Um, but we we look at it and say, no, they have the right to fall down. They have the right to get hurt. That's as a sovereign human being, that's our elders' right, and we respect that. And if they, you know, again, it's it's a person to person basis. But I'm saying that's, for example, that's kind of an extreme thing. And it shocks people. Um, but instead of making it convenient for us, we inconvenience ourselves um, for the good of That's someone awesome. else. Wow. So what about like the, you know, the entertainment for the week? Is that the elder's decision too? Or like what's for dinner? Is that the elder's decision too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? How did yeah. they come to, how, how did these elders come to consensus? They talk like, to each Frank, other. I want fucking meatballs. And Frank's like, what about you, Ethel? And then yeah. <laughs> they just pick it out like that. Well, it's like, you know, okay, make yourself something. It's, <laughs> it's a whole different, it's, it's just, we've taken the industrialization and reclaimed it. This is a family. You fight, yeah. you, you don't get along all the time. It's messy. People are humans. Right. And how, how many works. people, how many people in one of these pods? Ideally, um, up to 12 elders in about a 5,000 square foot home is the up to 12, you said? Mm-hmm. 12 elders in a 5,000 foot square foot home. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of the ideal model. We call it the greenhouse model. Um, boy, I could, I could share so much cool. about this with you, but, um, like the founder, his name was Bill Thomas and he was a geriatrician. And he was working in a huge, you know, big box nursing home. And one day, you know, he was looking at one of the, the, the elders and writing a script for some kind of like itch cream because she had a rash on her arm. And yeah. she grabbed him. You know, he was very clinical and just doing his job as a young geriatrician. She grabbed him and she looked at him. She said, I'm so lonely. And oh, it shook oh him. God. He was shook. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I am 
I'm not caring for these people. I'm treating them. I'm, you know, and, and that started the whole thing where, you know, we, we go after three plagues, loneliness, helplessness, and boredom. Wow. So how many bedrooms in a 12? This is really super interesting for me because it's like, if we're going to rethink civilization in a way that's healthy, we can start with the fucking premise that it's not healthy right now. Right. Cause it's clearly not. And how, like, I know in college, for instance, people are used to living in dorm rooms or in, or in shared housing. You know, they don't have a lot of money, this and that. Then they tend to get tend to get married and then they have their own little tribe in a 5,000 square foot or whatever. Um, how many bedrooms are they? Is it like two to a bedroom, six bedroom house? Well, uh, th- those details are kind of irrelevant. She's, Lori, if you can hear me. Oh, I didn't mute. know I was muted. Sorry. Okay. So yeah, how, how many bedrooms and like how many, how many elders to a room? And then do the caregivers live there as well or do they rotate in and out like eight, eight hour shifts or whatever? Okay. So, okay. So greenhouse model, um, that's the 5,000 square foot home for up to 12 elders. Um, the ideal conditions is that everyone has their own room, their own bathroom and, um, like they're again, there's no nurses station. So everyone's medication is locked in their own room. Um, they have, they have so much more autonomy, but then all of the rooms open up into a great room. Um, yes. and so, so they, they, out. yeah, they can't be, they, you know, they can go to their own room if they want or, but there's not these long hallways where they're isolated. Um, so right. everyone so can come in play piano for everybody if they want. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, so there's, so there's Marcus children, there's a, animals. That That's amazing. Marcus is a social worker in Germany. And, Lori, this sounds like such a, a freaking anthroposophical thing. I'm wondering, Marcus, is there anything that she said that is applicable to your industry and what you're doing? Um, I personally, I'm a school social worker and mostly um, responsible for the underage refugees who came here in the refugee crisis that is still ongoing. And I totally feel it. I totally feel it. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm always trying to shift uh, all the responsibility possible towards them because mm-hmm. they've, been, they've been manhandled their whole life. And yeah. um, even, even if I know it better, I still just offer them my knowledge and let them Take it or leave it because it's the right. Are you familiar with their, their home life? Um, like, have you seen them in their homes? Um, uh, I visited some of their, some of their homes, of course. Um, but what is more important, um, at least to me is that I'm one of the few people who can, um, stand the, uh, when they start to tell the atrocities they've been through. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, and people like me are obviously rare because, uh, all of them just open up to me because I don't, I don't, I don't shiver when they tell their stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that ties a little, uh, back, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can handle it, um, because it makes sense to me. You know, just, just like you said, the, um, the last time you, uh, all you need is a knife because you've been trained in survival and you can handle mm-hmm. yourself. Um, uh, in the woods, I've been through a lot of violence. So, um, a lot of the atrocities, uh, the reasons why those atrocities happened make sense to me. I understand the pattern 
behind them, even though I, I am totally not the person who would do anything like that. But I understand why, why those, uh, things happens and, uh, happened and that's why I don't have to shiver. Yeah. 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 I hear those things. Do you um, think that they would benefit all of these refugees in a situation like Lori described where it's like, Maybe instead of 12 people, maybe three families, right? In a 5,000 square foot unit with a central area or, um, maybe even like six, like these, like Diana, these, these hexahomes that we're talking about, right? You make like little pods with, you know, a single family unit, all like maybe five of them around a central building structure or something like a shared common. We did it. We did it like that for individuals to be able to do their own clusters. Because yeah. I think we are in the era of taking responsibility of ourselves. We cannot repeat history. That's the problem of humanity. We keep repeating. So we want to care about people in the way like we want to take care of their problems instead of taking mm-hmm. care of ours. So mm-hmm. if, like Marcus was saying right now, I think that's very important. Like when you already or already learned how to do something, that's the power you can. I'm going to say it in this way. You can transfer it. But it's more that the other individual can sense it. So yeah. for example, somebody falls down and you see him well, even like, you know, like he can, he may not even be hurt just because you saw him well and he could pick up your sense because we again are spiritual beings. We are not matter. So I think that's the most important. And that's why individuals must decide for their own how they want to live because some might want to live alone and some might want to live in communities and some might want to live just with their own family, you know, like. Yep, for sure. I'm just thinking of a problem that exists just out of this discussion, right? And 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 a beautiful novel approach to it that solves the problem in another community, which is the elder community, right? I know this community very well. I ran a home health agency for like 20 some odd years. So it's something that I, I understand deeply. Right. Um, and, and Marcus, you know, I'm thinking about all of the, the refugees in different parts of the world right now. And the integration's difficult. They've gone through terrible situations. It's difficult. And like, you know, John, John Bush, who's also on the Unloose the Goose podcast has this really beautiful structure for, uh, what we call freedom cells, which is like groups of eight, like you have your eight people in a pod and then there's another pod and then there's another pod. And it's a way of socially organizing because if you get above eight, let's say um, you start getting into factions, negative and positive polarity. It's something about the amount of electricity that we conduct at that level. It polarizes, right? So if keeping it at eight prevents that polarization or it creates enough polarization that there's good discussion, but not so much so that there's bifurcation. Um, I'm interested a, if that is applicable for you, Lori, is like eight people like not sufficient. And then Marcus for you, uh, is, is like, is that kind of a living situation, something that you think would benefit and, or would they want that kind of living situation? These different refugees. We'll start with you, Marcus, and then Lori, and then Ace, we're going to come to you with a, with a question right after you can summarize the whole thing and, and kind of give us your take. I think that would be a good idea, but, and that's a big but. Um, uh, if I like only, big buts. But, no, okay. yeah. um, if they, if they're only staying, um, within their own community, they will, they will just not pick up the small things and the small nuances that are really important to become integrated in this society. I know I'm totally schwabbing uh, the English up that I'm talking, but uh, um, 
at least you get my points. Yeah. Yeah. But, but for them, um, I, uh, some of them are staying within their communities and, uh, and they're keeping their lifestyle. And those are the ones that won't uh, have any success here because they don't pick up the nuances. It's right. not just about language. It's, <laughs> it's about, um, um, proximity. How close do you come to people in middle Europe? Did um, you know that you can get paid to be somebody's friend? There are services now. It's like an Uber where you get paid like 50 euros or $50 or something to go out and hang out with somebody. Okay. Now you might say, Oh, that's, you know, retarded. Like who's going to want that? Like what? But if we had a corporation and it was full of refugees from other countries and we wanted them to be productive, successful, happy and bring value to the company, like we could pay somebody to go be their fucking friend and like teach them the language, walk them around, hang out in the like, Hey, you know, I'm part Syrian. Why don't I go and hang out with them and like show them the ropes or whatever. Right. And then, and then learn jobs that they could apply for or do inside the, the company. But this kind of like organic living situation where they still have the comfort of their culture, but are, you know, small enough that they're being affected by the, the greater culture, but small enough that they can provide support for each other for the greater, for the greater uh, growth of their, their, or their, their families. What do you think? Yes or no, Marcus? Um, isn't that social work? Well, yeah, it really is. So, congratulations. You got an idea that's a hundred years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Ace, why don't you uh, summarize this? <laughs> okay, so uh, this is this is why I say that uh, I, I have to. I'm gonna come back to that. I'm a. I'm a I'm going to circle back to what I said earlier about everything is spiritual, right? So I have a framework of mind that likes to think and process in a very abstract format. Um, as you're talking, you're talking about medicine, socialization, peer to peer engagement, all of right. these things. Um, so the work that we do for others, you know, and how it benefits a communal situation is like, let's look, let's look at in terms of like, Uh, profit interest um, type uh, social dynamics and just communal interest social dynamics. If a community of people working together to build something can work with symbiosis and cohesion, then you're building something of value, right? Uh, versus you got a few people that are just motivated by profit or, or interest or greed of something, then you kind of have some, you have an influx or a destabilization of something because it can be offset by one person holding power over others in, in how that works. Um, I, I look at, uh, I look at what you're saying, literally what you were saying, uh, people being paid to go talk to people. Well, let's mm -hmm. look at what uh, a psychiatrist is or a therapist. There's this big field of psychiatry therapy. Like if someone's having a problem, they go, they got to run to a psychiatrist, go get some, some wacky medication or whatever. You know what? And if the FDA wants to come take a shot at me, go ahead, take a shot at me. I'm going to say this psychiatry and therapy are not in their entirety, good for people who are seeking to balance their minds. It just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. People didn't use those things for thousands of years. That's new stuff because Sigmund Freud, William James, and I don't want to say this about Carl Jung because Carl Jung is one of the, one of the many teachers that I learned so much from. Um, but they, it's all been bastardized into this kind of like, I'm going to tell you what to think and feel because this is kind of what, you know, all these books and all this shit that I learned in college with my degree, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't do anybody any good. If you actually just take a person, right, and sit them down before somebody else 
and let them engage in a conversation, what does that do for that person's internal vibration or internal state of being? Um, and listening to somebody's thoughts or listening to somebody's feelings and just being quiet, that in and of itself can actually validate that person because somebody gives a shit enough to listen. It ain't mm-hmm. got to be somebody who has a degree. It could just be some Joe Schmo on a Zoom call or some Joe Schmo at a coffee shop or some Joe Schmo wherever else. That to me is actual, actually what would be good for in terms of working with people who have um, issues of mind, issues of spirit. So there, you look at, let's look at 2020 as the example, because I'm always going to say this, and I repeat this all the time. Hindsight's always going to be 2020. You can take that to mean whatever you want it to mean, but hindsight's always going to be 2020. Because we mm-hmm. look at what happened in 2020. How many suicide deaths, drug overdoses, loss of jobs, yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I was a victim of, a, of job loss. Didn't, it didn't deter me. I'm, I'm a tradesman, so I, I, I learned to do... You know, I, I do a lot of stock market trading and stuff like that. So I was making money doing that, selling stuff online, blah, 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 blah. I didn't, it didn't deter me, but it got to a point where like I was distressed because of everything that was going on around me or I was distressed by personal circumstance and having, mm-hmm. having conversations with people of like-mindedness balanced me out. Right. So and paying people to go be friends with people is more or less the same thing as like paying a therapist, Right. Because the best form of therapy, I would think, is to have a friend there who's willing to give a shit enough about you to listen to what you have to say. That's the best yeah. form of therapy. And and I came to this idea of network nodes. So like I'm I'm just thinking in terms of a mm-hmm. blockchain, right? Blockchain yeah. thinking and and that sort of thing. So and the, the mere effect of of how technology can uh, positively impact our lives. And you know, and I have to say this: people are so terrified of technology. Like the the old the old guard would be like, let's talk um, the biblical fundamentalists. And the I mean, I, I was a biblical fundamentalist. I still have some biblical fundamental principles that I keep to. But the biblical fundamentalists would look at technology as though it's satanic. Okay, well then, it, uh, like, well, really, let me stop there really, for a second because I don't think it's the technology they're afraid of. I think it is the what we talked about at the very beginning to kind of bring it full circle. There are people, and they are afraid. And if they are building stuff, it is going to be in order to control humans because uh-huh. they're afraid. If the people who build these things are not afraid, but coming from an inspired, leading from the future kind of thing, then the technology can be very good and helpful. Alex Lightman today was saying, like, we have AI. It happens. It, it, it exists. And there are bad people who are employing it, and they're going to use it against humanity. And unless we build the proper systems for AI to assist us to live our most inspired lives, we will become subject to it. So there's this, like, technological war. But, again, it comes back to just another expression of the war between love and fear, like Diana was saying, like you have to just have love and come from this inspired place, trusting that the universe is going to supply for you that which you need mm-hmm. rather than trying to hoard, hoard it. So in terms of social engagement, right, what are some of the biggest conflicts that we've seen in terms of human history is you have two factions, whether it be two tribes, two nations, two whatever, going yep. after Positive each other. Negative. Yeah, like there's just some sort of polarity uh, that happens between two groups or two. It can even be person to person or it can be community community. It could be whatever. Now, in order to connect with those people, understanding, having an understanding, having information as a whole will enable, you know, I'm going to use each individual person as a node on a network. Right. And so then you have collective nodes of information that are people because people are in and of themselves experiencing information. So if you had all these little networks able to connect with each other and be in a state of knowing, 
I mean, conflicts happen by lack of understanding, a lack of uh, consideration for another person's resources or position or whatever. Like, I mean, that, that, that really engages conflict amongst people. And if you look at somebody who's, uh, um, or a group of people that's at odds with something or at, at, at a difference to another group of people, it really just comes down to poor information, poor information between two people being exchanged or two groups of people being exchanged. So to iron out those details, I think that that's why I think in terms of like a node network or an information network of, of, of engagement between people, how mm-hmm. many, how many wrinkles would be ironed out? How many wrinkles between uh, uh, cultural uh, in cultural clashes, like even in the race war, like this race conflict that's going on out there? It's all bullshit. It's absolute bullshit because you have one group of people who are those controlling the narrative of of everything that's going on out there, trying to get people all hyped up and excited and gaslighted to go out there and do this stuff. This is it's because two people or two factions or two groups of people can't sit down with each other and say, "Hey, we're all being fooled. We're all so being that." Like 100%. How am I supposed to sit down with somebody like me as a, as a Caucasian man sitting down with somebody in the, in the, in the Bronx and walking into a neighborhood of a bunch of, uh, a black people or even the same thing, like a black guy walking through a neighborhood of white people. There's going to be prejudgment, obviously by race because of conditioning, perpetual conditioning. Instead of, why don't we do something that's, that's different? Perpetual knowing. Okay. 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 So this is kind of what I think about. Great, great points. Yeah. No, I, I'd like to have you back on again as well as everybody. Like I, I want to, I just know we, we got to wrap up here soon. And, um, Marcus just posted something in the text chat that's actually quite good. And he says, I partly disagree. Um, I, I want to just frame your question, Marcus, and let you say it in your own words. Uh, but he's saying that, you know, the special thing about a friend, it, it's, it's emotional comfort, like having a pet or something. He's not saying this in the chat. These are my words. He's saying, but behind social work, there is actually like a goal, like some, somewhere guided. Like, so let's say there were mediators or this new uh, career that I came up with called social workers. Um, Marcus, why don't you, why don't you give us your perspective on that and why that's important as opposed to just mm-hmm. a friend? There's some goal, I'm assuming. And, yeah, and the, Ace, the, was, Ace was saying, um, psychiatrists aren't, uh, aren't working. Um, and, I partly agree. There are some cases where, where they're pretty efficient, but, um, not for most people. If you're looking for answers, um, you don't have a direction and you don't know where you're going because if you would know, you would be going already, right? Um, right. And, and those things need, they just need time, change, clarity, um, understanding, expressing the impressions that you had to suffer those things need need time and the paying a friend thing um is bs i'm uh, when i'm working i'm never a friend i'm a professional um i'm not right right Um, right. you're helping them achieve goals i'm 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 mostly paraphrasing what they're telling me to uh, make them see the the holes in their plan or the holes in uh, in their ideas. Um, ah, so, so th- th- it's basically like um, like I I, I don't want to disparage it or anything, but kind of like a life coach or or a mentor. Like, hey, this is what I'm planning on doing. This is what my my goals are. And then you say, ah, but if you have you thought you haven't thought about this or you don't know the cultural relevancy of this. And so you kind of give them more guidance in that regard. Right. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes it's information, because if you're coming from 
I I had one guy coming from Afghanistan who <laughs> told me that he was planning uh, on opening a business on recording uh, on repairing video recorders. And I told him, boy, you're probably 20 years late. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's so, that's just information. But I but I totally valued his um, uh, entrepreneurial spirit. Right. So what if we had a corporation together and they came in and were like, hey, we're going to give you housing. We're going to give you somebody who can kind of integrate you and, and show you around, show you the ropes and, and kind of give you like guidance, you know, and then you can you can sign up for this job, this job, this job. And then when you you kind of like advance, you can then move on to these things, like kind of give them a, a roadmap where they can already be involved. It's Diana, like, I'm afraid we were we were mixing something up. What was important about, uh, my, my post and in, in my view is that, um, psychiatrists, they have to be efficient. They have to be cost yeah. efficient. They have to deliver goals. They're working on, um, the DSM six or what is it now? Over here is another system. Um, yeah, yeah. which is, which is, which is, um, all very, very categorized and, 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 and it's, uh, and it's niches that, uh, and draws that you have to put people in, but people don't fit in there. They this, just this, don't. Has been, this, this has been very unlike our normal Unloose the Goose. We, we tend to focus on, um, you know, homesteading and these and things, but what we're talking about here is to me very exciting because it's how do we work together, structure society in such a way that it works that people feel included, feel like they are both getting a gift of, of, uh, you know, having it all essentially, um, and, and taking care of it and being responsible and accountable. Diana, you had your hand up for a while and you've been very patient. So I want to give you the floor and then Lori love, will go. I love through. to listen to you guys. Um, okay. So I want to wrap it up in, in this way. I think Perfect. we as humanity, we had this big, amazing opportunity right now of locking ourselves home, of just seeing our eyes constantly, you know, like getting really deep in ourselves. Some humans took it. Some others didn't even exist in the reality right now in countries that didn't even take it. And some mm -hmm. others just didn't follow the rules and keep with their life. Okay. So for yeah. the ones that we did it. And, and we took the opportunity of going deep and, and think about what we want and whatever. Uh, I think we got the opportunity of knowing that we already have everything because we are alive. Yeah. We are spiritual beings. We already, we are living in the future. There is no time. Time is relative. So we have everything. And again, I think it's, uh, thinking what I need and what I want and starting start building from there because the moment we see outside of ourselves we start supposing what others need and that's the mistake we need yeah. to do it for ourselves and then we attract whoever's going to need it because some might need right now the, the the fact that we are mind life spirit doesn't mean that we are all in the same state of mind right so the thing is uh some might need the help of a psychiatrician uh, i don't know sorry for psychiatrists right now and some of us are not even taking medicines anymore we're taking you know like either i live or i die but yeah. that we cannot ask everybody to be in the same state of mind i think that's unrespectful yeah. and uh so i i would leave it like that it's not things but what we think and feel about things yes very much so Lori, last thoughts before we wrap it up 
this has been a super interesting conversation for me. I've, 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 my mind is open in a whole new ways. Go ahead, Lori. Oh man, I don't have much to add. I, I love that you're so heart centered. Um, all of you. Um, and I, I, but I, I have this vision in my head of, you know what Russian dolls are? You know, the yes. little dolls inside of dolls inside of, yeah. And so I was like, yeah. I'm like this little, you know, being and my, but I'm so much more and I'm overlapping with everybody else's orbit and everybody else's dolls kind of that <laughs> intersection where we intersect. And if we stay in our hearts, we're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's working. Yep. But we have these beautiful minds to formulate what's in our hearts, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I just see it being created and I'm, you know, honestly, I was in a really funky space this morning and the energies around here are just wild. And this has been just really, you, you guys blessed me. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you. I, the difference between your voice from when you joined the call to now is like very, it, it's amazing. Like it's obvious, you know, you were very like, Oh, I, this, that, that. And now you're like, listen, this is a beautiful thing. And that in and of itself is worthwhile, you know, and then I got an insight into, um, home care and structuring pods and like imagine freedom cells that had like, like everybody wants that. They want like a little crew of people that they can count on, have beers with or shoot the shit or play music or whatever. And just know that, okay, this is going to be safe and we, and then we're going to go do cool shit or I'm going to go work on my career or I have somebody to talk to like that little tribal feeling. Like it'd be cool to set up a corporation that allows for that. And, and Marcus, I, uh, I want to give the floor to you for the last thoughts. You said something, uh, the generalist specialist ratio. Um, I think the balance there is good. So tell, tell us about that last thoughts and then we'll go to, uh, Ace and then I'll close it out. Um, we were, um, we were talking a lot about cross training people so that everybody can do everything. And Diana was talking about specialization with, mm. with our special, um, special abilities. And I think to, we have to keep in mind that humans are generalists. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are not particularly good in one thing, but we can do a lot of things. But mm-hmm. what pushed us as, um, as a society and as a species is that we were able to communicate and to organize our, um, cooperation. Our, yeah. Cooperation. Um, and you know, everyone is like, yeah, we got to work together. We got to cooperate. I mean, everyone who was working at a con- construction site did that. It's not yep. that hard. Right. Right. We need like a balance of like, cooperation and individually individuality like all right now leave me alone or else i'm going to punch you in the face kind of thing and it's like we we have to find ways to learn those boundaries and respect those boundaries in each one of us right yeah also also of of course i can change the nappies of our kids uh, and my wife wife knows how to change the tires on the car but but guess who's doing what right right exactly you know we'll, we'll it, it's it it if we give everybody the opportunity to try all the things, they'll find the things that they most resonate with it, that they're most applicable for, right? Some people will, will be paid friends and some people will be paid social workers who are actually helping people achieve goals. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Marcus. Uh, Ace, I'd love for you to give your final thoughts and, um, and then I'll, I'll kind of close it out. 
Um, I, I would just like to just summarize with saying that I, I have goals in mind. My goals happen to be with, uh, I've kind of been geared towards this by, by what people have been telling me about myself and my own personal experience, uh, educating mm-hmm. people on, on specific things that they would need, um, working towards developing a, a more sustainable financial system, more sustainable educational system, more sustainable, uh, social system, uh, of how people engage with each other. And I honestly think that the where you guys are going and where I see a lot of other things going that I gravitate towards is what's going to make the biggest difference. And sometimes it's the smallest things in the world, like an idea that somebody has that makes the biggest difference. And uh, I, I'm really thrilled to to be able to be a part of whatever it is you're working on here. Uh, this is I've gravitated here. And I sometimes when I use that word, I, I, I mean it in a spiritual sense, too gravitating towards that which works the best so i'm getting booted out of all these little q whatever groups and on group patriot group things like i've been blocked and banned from a bunch of them because i'm very outspoken and i don't i don't shy away from telling the truth if i gotta say something you're you're like a truck and when you start going it's hard for it to stop you're just like stop it um like i uh i I thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak and um I, i think that these kind of conversations talking about home development caring for elders because who has the wise the wisdom of cultures is those who blow my mind yeah so like there's all of these specific points that each one of you guys are bringing up are in are integral to being able to balance society out and give the best that society has so it's really unique that we're having this experience at this time and space so, I mean, and time is relative. I mean, it really is like I'm just kind of seeing how things this conversation flows together. And I thank you for that. And all these ideas really need to be put into need to be more than just thoughts. They need to become things and practices and and, yes. and applications of things. So I'm really looking forward to see how we can apply this in a broader perspective for um, either individual communities or larger communities and be able to integrate these ideas more uh, uh, more effectively than what we've kind of seen happen. Huh? Yes, totally. John Bush always goes fireon.com. Um, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's the whole purpose of this. And, and, uh, I'm thinking about taking, doing baseline every day, weekday, like I normally do, but then adding on, I think a conversation like this every fucking day with a topic. Um, I'm like, how am I going to do two hours or an hour and a half every day? Blah, blah, blah. But there's no editing. This goes straight up on YouTube. I could put like a cool format on it and it'll look nice. Um, but I think I might just, do like a, a, a community roundtable, an Agora style thing every day and have different people and different topics. Um, cause I learned a lot. I think a lot of our listeners looking at the chat on YouTube already, there, there's a lot of people who've already liked it. Um, and Hunter says, I'll trade someone quail legs for my toilet shift. Totally down. I'll do the toilets. <laughs> you give me, you give me quail eggs. Love that. Um, and that's a cool thing. Like we would be able to facilitate those kinds of things in a, in a corporation we're all cooperatively capitalizing on. So this has been the episode. Any last thoughts? Anybody that I didn't get to? Marcus, Lori, Diana, Ace, you want to say one last thing? All right. So if you haven't, um, please join the Unloose the Goose Telegram chat. That's t.me slash Unloose the Goose. And I think that the goose has officially been unloosed. Thank you, Ace. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Lori. And thank you, Marcus, for being here last minute. I just put it out on the Telegram chat. If any of you in the public um, want to ever join a conversation like this, please jump in the Telegram and pay attention on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's when we we go live. So God bless. Thank you so much. Um, we learned about cooperation and some uh, agorism taking taking our lives into our own hands. Peace. Unloose the goose. We'll take no abuse.
terror. 